Hey everyone, welcome to the One More Jump podcast. Today we have none other than Katie Najat. She is a Nike sponsored pole vaulter. She is a Team USA member. She's uh, qualified for the world championships and been a world championships finalist. She's a two time U.S. national pole vault champion. She's a member of Team Pacer. And she has a personal best of an outstanding. 4 meters 92, which is 16 feet 1 inch. Um, That is just an incredible performance. That's unbelievable. And if you haven't seen her attempt at 501, which I think would be about 16.5, you need to check that out because that was really close. Um, Yeah, so... Uh, with, you know, she's an incredible athlete, but you'll find out in this podcast that she is an awesome person too. She really has some really valuable information and experience that she's able to share with us. And we are just so honored and we thank you so much, Katie, for coming on our podcast. So here we go. Katie Najat. So I guess we could start with like, like, where does this whole path in this pole vaulting thing start for you? Like, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I was a gymnast when I was younger, um, but only up until, I don't know, third grade. So I got the basics, but I was not like a high level gymnast. Um, but I think that gave me just a good body awareness and general strength and things like that. Um, And then when I was in seventh grade, it was the first time we were able to do sports for our school. And it was the first time I was even introduced to track and field. And they took us to the high school the first day and I saw the high schoolers pole vaulting. And I was like, that's what I have to do. I just knew that was what I, what I wanted to be doing. And I begged the coaches for days because at that point, it was 2004 and women's pole vault had only been in the Olympics since 2000. So it was so new that, you know, for girls, even in high school to be doing, it was kind of rare, let alone in middle school. And I just, I begged the coaches for days. And finally at the end of like day three, they were just so annoyed. They let me go over and try it. I just, I knew that was it for me. For sure. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a really good point. Cause like, like teaching like young people these days, especially young girls, it's like, they don't realize like pole vaulting, like whenever I was like really young and you were really young, like it just didn't even exist. They didn't even have women's pole vaulting. Right. Which is crazy. Yeah. It's like, I had never seen, I didn't even really know what it was. I had heard of it. Like it just seemed so it just, I didn't know what it was, but I saw them flying through the air and was like, yeah, that's, that's what I need to be doing. <laughs> so, so you said you did gymnastics and how, how long did you do that for? Only for a few years. I got up to about level four. So I had like a backhand spring and, you know, just basic kind of bar work and, and stuff like that. But it, it gave me a really good starting place for pole vault where I was just fearless and strong and just gave me a good, good foundation for it. So it wasn't anything that I was ever super competitive with. Um, but I, I liked it just not enough to go to the gym for three hours every day, 20, you know, every day of the week, 
you know that's crazy though it really so. is it's, <laughs> it's funny i i had a girl start the uh a couple weeks ago brand new uh to vaulting and and uh she was like okay so like how how many days a week do we do we jump and i was like uh two yeah and she was like <laughs> she was like what yeah <laughs> and, and, I like, and i just wanted to do everything i loved sports and i wanted to go skiing and snowboarding on the weekend with my families and i wanted to play local soccer and like i like softball and i just basketball and pretty much every sport you could imagine i've played um and so sorry no you're fine (laughs) um it's pretty much every sport that i could imagine i wanted to play i wanted to try with gymnastics it was just so time consuming that you couldn't do that and so i knew that it wasn't gonna be something that i would stick with forever right and like i don't want to like bash gymnastics but like that is the number one thing that i hear from like young girls that come out of that uh that life they're like you know and i'm talking about like seventh grade girls eighth grade Mm -hmm. girls that are like i can't take it anymore and it's yeah like, i mean i was seven years old and they were demanding three hours every single day after school and it's just i mean i have nothing but respect for the gymnasts that do it because it is hard i learned to hate the word conditioning at a very early age <laughs> because of gymnastics and so right. um it just i i your heart really has to be in it to stick with it because it is it is tough and right. I just, I just wasn't at that level of commitment with anything at that age. So Right, right. So where is all this happening? Like what state? I don't even know. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm from Ohio, Cleveland area, suburb of Cleveland. Um, so yeah, it, we got, we got a pretty snowy track season most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got to deal with, you know, like I said, most of the first meets that we had were in the snow. Um, for, for sure. We're, we're in, in Chicago. So right. it's, it's the same thing. It's like people are, and, and, and that was really, really difficult. Um, for me, I, I jumped, you know, at a, a decently high level in, in high school. And yeah. I remember being like, dude, I only legitimately get like half a month of an outdoor season that is actually worth jumping in. And like these people in California are jumping outdoors all year round. Right. And Texas, it's like, no wonder so many good vaulters come from Texas and California. But at the same time, it is amazing to me how many good vaulters come out of the Midwest and New York and like where it is miserably cold because yeah, we don't get half a season. (laughs) (laughs) I remember my coach like sweeping snow off the runway. Right. You know, we, I was jumping and I was the only person left. And a couple of my teammates were like bundled up in a blanket together like that. That was I, I know. every year. <laughs> it's crazy. I remember in college too, because I went to uh, North Central College with, where my dad uh, coached at. And, and that, that's in Naperville, which is a suburb of Chicago. Yeah. And um, I remember our rule, our, our rule was, hey, if it's above 40, then we're going to jump outside. And, I'm, and yeah. like, now <laughs> I think about that, I'm like, above no 40? No what way. the heck? That's uh-uh. too much, man. And I mean, we would jump in. If I could vault outside in like low 50s anymore. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, because where are you at now? Where are you at so, now? I'm in Atlanta, Georgia now, um, in uh, just a little northwest uh, of Atlanta, Georgia. And it 
it's very hot. I don't love the heat. I'll be honest because I just grew up with, you know, all four seasons and the summer is not nearly that hot or humid in, you know, in Cleveland. So it's, right. I had to get used to that quite a bit, but as a whole, it's, it's really great weather for preventing injuries and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you probably like your warm up is probably like cut in half during, uh, during, uh, you know, whenever you're down there compared <laughs> to up here, it's like, that, yeah. that was one thing that I think really at the, towards the end of my career, um, I was like, why am I warming up? I'm warming up for like an hour. And, yeah. and, I, and I would be like, I would be like, where did that come from? Right. Like, how, Four how layers I, of clothing on while you do it. Yeah. And, and I would be like, you know, like by the time I take my first trip down the runway, I am, I've been working out for an hour, you know, yep. before this competition. And, and then just, all of a you're sudden. You're just exhausted before you even start. <laughs> yeah. And that, I think that all stems from like, hey, like it's, you know, April in Illinois and I have to warm up for an hour in order to be able to really, you know, get warm and, you know, feel safe, you know, to jump or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. So true. It's really it's, crazy. Go ahead. It's funny because I'm not, I don't, my body doesn't do well in the heat. I, I get overheated very quickly and I don't feel well. And at Sandy's meet, for example, this year, it was really hot and humid. And during the warmups, my coach was like, how are you feeling? Like, are, are you okay? And I'm like, no, honestly, like I, do, I don't feel well. Like <laughs> it's, I'm so hot right now. And he's like, yeah, you're sweating more than everyone else. I'm like, do you believe me now? Like, I'm not making this up. I just don't, my body physically rejects the heat, <laughs> mostly the sun. I think when it's really sunny. And, yeah. Um, then it's bad. But. Yeah. I can remember times uh, back in the day where I would just get like extremely, like, I don't know how to explain it besides just like over loose, like where, where like I, my, my body was like Gumby and I was just, and like, and I was like, not dizzy, but like, just kind of yes. like, like when I'm running down the runway, I'm like, I, I, I feel like I'm out of control and, and I don't know if it was like an electrolyte imbalance or like what, what caused that, but yeah, I don't, hard for me. right. I get that because I think I naturally run pretty tight. Like at most massage therapists that I go to are like, you're really tight. I'm like, yeah, I think that's just normal. And so <laughs> when I get hot and I loosen up a bit, like, I, I don't know if I respond as well to that. You, I mean, you make it work and you, and you figure it out and I'm getting more used to the heat, which is, which is good, but for sure. And I think that that's important, like for your season too, because like back in the day, whenever you were, you know, jumping in high school and jumping in college, like your season was during that springtime where you would, you know, be up against like milder conditions, like milder temperatures. Right. But now your season goes, what does it go through? Like on a normal year, it, it may go through like middle September or... Yeah, normally it would go even, yeah, mid-September. This year it was supposed to go mid-September, early September. Last year was obviously really late um, going into October. But um, yeah, we start competing probably about January. And obviously indoors is fine. But as far as outdoors, we'll, we'll go through the summer and through, yeah, like the the bulk of the heat. And then last year in Doha, it was blisteringly hot in October. So you just... It's good to at least 
be prepared for that. I know that I do well when it's cool out, so I don't have to prepare for that, but it's good to at least be prepared for the heat because right. it's not something I, I deal with well. So, so Renault just posted something about the heat in Doha. Uh, so is it next level heat? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> unlike anything. I've, and I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I visit my boyfriend in Gainesville, Florida often. It is, it's unlike anything else. I, at night, I remember we were jumping and so, you know, you think at night, it's really not too bad. I was sweating so profusely that I was like splashing myself as I was running down the runway just from four lefts. Like I was, my sweat was like bouncing up and hitting my face and I would have to wipe my entire body down and I'd take one jump and it would have to do it all over again. Uh, like Alicia has sticky and slipped off her pole, like in just, just doing a short approach jump. Like it's just so hot and humid there. It's, it's just like you walk outside and it's just like, like hot blow dryers are just like (laughs) blowing on you. It's, it is so hot. (laughs) Hot blow dryers. You can't train during the day. You have to go at night because during the day it's unbearable. Yeah, that is, that sounds insane. I was actually going to ask you about that, like with your grip. I don't know if you are like chalk or sticky or nothing. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think that, that, that probably like helps you whenever you're super, super sweaty or if it's like super humid or something like that. Right. Yes. I know the girls that you sticky have talked about at meets when it's really humid that it's, it's hard for them to grip the pole. Like in Monaco, the girls that used sticky were having a bit of an issue a couple years ago. Um, so yeah, I think I, I think there are definite benefits to sticky. Um, and I know a lot that my coach Brad used it, um, just cause he was on tree trunks of poles and it's harder to, you gotta have a really solid grip, but it, when you deal with, you know, humidity like that, then it gets a little tricky. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing is that that I forget what meet it was. It was a while ago. It was like a world championship or something where, where there was people that were, were having some big issues with the whole sticky. And the problem is, is that you have to like adjust your concoction of the sticky. It's like, it's like a chemistry experiment. Like every track meet you go to, it's like crazy. I, I messed around (laughs) with it. I messed around with it, but whenever I was jumping and at the end of the day, I was just like, you know what, just use chalk. You know, sometimes I have to, like you said though, like I, if it would, I remember one year it was like this. Did you ever jump at the St. Louis like arch vault? I did not. I heard about it. It looked Yeah. It was cool, but it was super, super hot. You know, it's like the 4th (laughs) of July weekend or something like that. And I remember just being like, okay, all right. So I have this, like bath towel and I'm wiping my, I have to wipe like my whole arm down and then yeah. I have to take chalk and like chalk All my up and down arm your arms. Up. Yes. <laughs> because the sweat would travel down to your hand while you were yep. running. Yep. And I would be like, this is insane. So then yeah. I was like, well, maybe I'll switch to sticky and then just get that going. And then I slipped out a couple times and I was like, yeah, I'm done with that. Yeah. <laughs> no it, more sticky. Right each has their own pros and cons, but for sure for me, it's like, I know chalk works. If ever I can put it in my carry on. Um, and I know like with the spray sticky, especially 
can't bring that in a carry-on. So if your right. bag gets lost, it's not easy to find more of. It's just, I think it's a little more consistent in that respect. Like I know I'll always have it. They have it at a lot of meets. And so it's like, I'll just, I'll stick with that. <laughs> yeah. I've seen, I've seen people use extremely strong bonding agents to literally yes. glue their hand into their grip. It's like, dude, you better people not run get through. Creative. <laughs> yes. People get really creative. I remember Mike Arnold had just, what was it? Beeswax or something. Like it was just this insanely like. It's like pine tar mi- mixed with yes. some other stuff. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. And he had stickier ones of it for when it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. And all like, types of stuff like you can't even let go of the pole i'd be afraid i couldn't let go of the pole because you've i've seen videos and jumps of athletes where they're going over and they have to like literally throw their pole off their hand to let go and it's just i'm like, pretty sure it was Derek miles that i saw um i'm pretty sure it was him it was at the gill vault um okay and it was back when they had the gill vault and and i i'm pretty sure he went like this and you just heard a big <laughs> And I was like, I was like, what the heck was that? And then I think he came off the pit. I'm, I could be getting this wrong. And, and his tape was on his hand. The, oh tape, the tape had literally like ripped off of the pole. Gosh. And I was like, that's legit right there. Yeah. <laughs> that is some legit <laughs> right. sticky. That's the good stuff. Seriously. So, so I know Brad's know. talked about like having to, yeah, just literally throw the pole off, but. Right. Well, speaking of Brad, um, what's going on down there? Because this is like kind of news to me. I don't know if this has been going on for a long time, but what's going on? Yeah. So we have a a pretty solid sized group now. Um, There are seven of us right now. Um, And so it's me, Robin Bone, John Prater, and Kristen Brown that were with him the past year, a couple years. Um, And then we just added Natalie Uwe from the Philippines um, and Chloe Cunliffe, um, uh, who is the, the high school national record holder out from Seattle. Um, and it's just, it's a really good group. It's fun. Um, we moved down there. Brad got into chiropractic school at Life University. Um, he was coaching up at Washington State. And so when he, when he said he was going to go down, I am very much of the mindset, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And it was going very well working with him. So I knew I needed to follow him. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's been really great. It's been a really good situation for me. I guess I can't speak for everybody, but it seems like everybody else kind of agrees. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Been, no, you, you guys definitely, fun. it seems like you got some really good talent, um, out of there. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, so you were training in Washington with Brad, Mm-hmm. And then he went to Cairo school and then now, and then you moved to Georgia. Yes. So he wow. got into chiropractic school at life university in Marietta, Georgia. And so that's where we train predominantly. Uh, but it's nice because there, there's an indoor facility that we're able to use. It's not too far. Um, in Cartersville, it's Georgia pole vault. Um, we've trained a little bit at the Atlanta track club. They have a pole vault pit in their little back room. Um, and so we just, it's nice to have options. Um, the weather is usually pretty nice and we're outside a lot, but, um, we, we do have some really good options for, for all kinds of training. Yeah. It's, it's a good setup right now. Good for you guys. That's yeah. That's really cool. I mean, Brad was, you know, just, uh, 
big friend. time like one of my <laughs> heroes <laughs> you know? yeah. he, he i mean he was a monster just i mean whenever i was young like him coming up i remember watching the first neo vault seeing him on there and i was just like that dude is going to take over and and he he just it was so fun to watch him compete see but then uh, uh it seems like a really really nice person too yeah seems like uh, uh, yeah. yes and it's it's fun learning from him it, like obviously my vaulting is getting better but that is a direct result of my mentality and the mindset i was a very emotional and fragile type of alter. I was timid and I was anxious and I was afraid of pole vaulting. Like I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I just ran down, threw my hands up, hope for the best. And that's, you're not going to love to pole vault when that's how you pole vault because it's scary. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and so he just totally tackled the mental side of it and taught me how to, how to focus on the runway. And he just, by doing that and every time I come down, I'm trying to execute things the same way. It just creates this confidence. He's big on real versus fake confidence. Like before I would need a tap every jump in practice. And I just, I needed to feel good to jump high. And it's like, it's not real confidence. Real confidence is knowing I can take it up no matter how I'm feeling, no matter what day it is. No matter, like it might be a smaller pole and that's fine, but it's like, then when you go to a competition with that sort of confidence, it it's just a different it's it's yeah. a different ball game and it's turned me into a more confident person outside of the pole vault too. Um, so now so you're just like a pole vaulting savage now. Yeah. <laughs> now, now you just come down there and just hit it no matter what. That's you that's honestly that is <laughs> that that is that is the best. That is the that's the pinnacle. I mean, the pinnacle of pole vaulting and like why we do it is like when you're running down the runway and you are clicking and like, like I would remember getting to my mid mark and just being like, that's over, baby. Like I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm hammering this thing. Yes. And, and, and then you, and then you go and you, and you just have, you know, like a superior confidence and a superior control over what you're doing that is the greatest feeling in the entire yes. world. And that's what we're all chasing, you know? And if, if there's right. somebody who can put you in that mentality on a consistent yeah. basis, I would follow them from Washington yeah. to Georgia too, you know? Right. Well, and I remember the first Diamond League final I went to after working with him for, you know, that year. Um, I just remember being there looking around going, I feel like I have some secrets. Like, I feel like, cause I knew I was going to come down, take it up every time. And at that point I wasn't jumping super high. So like there were girls that were just outright jumping better than me, but it, I was like, I know how to always have a good day now or how to like make that happen. Obviously things happen, but it, it just, I felt like I had some weird secret. Like it can't be this easy. Like it can't, it can't this can't right. be real. But then you go into a me and you just like, no, it is. It's he, he explains it in that it's a choice. You either choose to step on the runway and execute things the same way every time, or you don't. And when you look at it that way, I, like, I always kind of joke about that, like, oh, it's a choice. And, but it is. And myself included, people make it really emotional and scary and like, 
you know, anxious and it doesn't have to be, it can be just as, I don't want to say easy, but it can be just <laughs> as like effortless, I guess, as running or because running is not easy, <laughs> but yeah. like it can, it can, it doesn't have to have the fear behind it that I always thought that it did. And, and it was like, okay, now I know how I'm going to jump high because I always felt like I could, but I, you, you can't see the actual path until something like that. Right. Yeah. And the way that my dad, whenever we were younger, uh, me and my brothers were younger, I like specifically remember him always telling me like, Hey, if you're going to step between the white lines, you know, if you're going to step between those white lines, then it's game time and you can't be nice, Jake, like, Hey everybody, what's yeah. going on? you have to turn, you have to turn into a different animal. You, you just yeah. have to turn and, and, you know, once you get off the pit, you can do whatever, you know, whatever, whatever. Right. But then when you're, it's time to step between those lines again, it's go time, you know? And, and that is a mentality. Like if you can find somebody and people, people really, I mean, our event is super, super technical, obviously. Like there are so many things that you have to do yes. correctly, 100%. but, but you could have the best, you know, technical model coach in the world. And if they're not able to give you that gas for that, for that tank, yeah, it's going to be hard, you know, like it's going to yeah. be hard <laughs> to be able to, you know, convert that into jumping high and just, and just having fun, you know, like that's absolutely, that's a, that is a great, a great gift. And, and it, yeah. it kind of, you know, it isn't a secret, you know, like obviously no, we're talking yeah, about it, but great. it's like, you feel it's like common some, knowledge, like, right. It should be anyways. Like it should be. Yeah. Who can you know, that's the thing about pole vault. There's no secrets. It's just like, who can get on the biggest pole and jump high? It's like, there, there's no like manipulation tactics. It's like, everyone knows right. how to, the equation to jumping high. Right. Um, and that, that develops like that, that attitude, what that does is that develops confidence and mm-hmm. most importantly, consistency. Yeah. Like, because in pole vaulting, like, you could catch a flyer and jump really high. Anybody could do that. Anybody could catch that one jump and be like, Oh man, I had that day, you know, like, yeah. but especially at the level that you're at, like you need to have consistency because you were talking about earlier how it's like, you know, maybe these people were jumping higher than me or whatnot, you know, but if you're consistent, you know, you can actually do really, really well and you can place really well against some of these people who may jump higher than you if yeah. you're consistent like that, right. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny that you said that about your dad and how it's like, once you get on the runway, it's like you basically need to be an animal. <laughs> like you need yeah. to not care. Brad actually sat down with me before the 2018 season and it was just like, you need to not care. You need to start beating these girls and not caring what they think because I, I've always been like a people pleaser and I never wanted to ruffle feathers. And it's not that I didn't want to win. It was just, I think he could sense I just had like a slight timidness, timidness in that like, oh, well, you know, like, yeah, it's okay that Mary beat me. She's my friend. It's okay. And he's like, you need to start like beating these girls and not caring what they think. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And that was the year that I then jumped, you know, 91. And it just like, Oh, like that, like he's creating this, like this inner confidence of like, I, and I, I love my competitors. I, I genuinely love my competitors, but 
when I step on the track, I want to beat them every time. So it's, and you can, you can have both. Like <laughs> 100%. And I yeah. think that the best way to read that, uh, that confidence in somebody is I always tell my athletes, like I can tell in your eyes when you're running down the runway, like when I, whenever you want, if you've never seen Brad Walker jump, you should watch Brad Walker jump because if you look at him run down the runway, it's like, I do not want to get in front of that. Like he's a freight train. You know? He's not stopping. Right. And I watched your yeah. 492 jump and your 501 attempt, uh, before we got on today. <laughs> and you can see that, like, it's just like in your eyes, it's like, I am making this happen. Like, don't get in front of me because I'll run you over, you yeah. know, like, please don't step <laughs> on the runway, you know, yeah. and that's, that is, that is, uh, it's all in an attitude, you know, and that's, that's, uh, that's a, that it really is a gift. Um, yeah. So what, what kinds of trainings are, training are you guys doing down there? Like right now, it's like such a weird year. Yeah. What, what is your, I guess so, I'm, what's your schedule? Like, what are you preparing for? Yeah. So we're, basically approaching this coming year as if things will go on as scheduled, um, as normal as they could be. Um, so right now we're just in our preseason phase. Um, we are just starting to get into weights. We were doing a lot of just body weight lifting and now we're starting to, to incorporate more actual weights, um, with it, but we've been doing endurance power workouts, which, Ugh, they're so hard, but, um, but yeah, just, just combining sprints with, well, not sprints, I would say strides. Um, cause we're not like full like speed yet, but, um, just like sprints or striding with exercises in between with minimal rest. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people have done diagonal workouts, like X's across like the infield and it's just, you know, you stride the diagonal and then you jog the other corner, stride it again. And it's just, you you know, you do several of those, no rest. And that like, so it's just doing things to kind of get the lungs going and get a base endurance, uh, but still incorporating power. So it's not just go out and run 20 minutes. It's alternating like speed with, um, we'll do 100 and 200 circuits where we'll have exercises in between. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much my least favorite part of the year. Um, (laughs) but it's necessary. And when you do complete it well, it gives you a, just a, a different kind of confidence too. It just like adds to that confidence of, okay, when we actually get on the runway, it will be like, I'm strong and I'm capable of more than I think I am. Um, but the resiliency of your body too. Yes. You like, you can just accomplish more than you ever thought. I, that, um, the garden clash vault that I did last year with, um, Kat and Alicia, I just, I was so tired and just knowing how tired I was, but I could still keep jumping. I had never pushed myself like that before. And it was by far like the hardest thing I've ever done, but it just, when I then went to Sandy's meet, for example, and felt like crap, it was like, you can still jump. Like your body will give you more and you think like when you think you're at your most exhausted point, you still have a little bit more in the tank. And so it just, it just kind of opened up my mind to like, Oh, I, I am capable of a lot more than I, 
than I think I am. Yeah. And I think if you never get yourself, um, you know, I, I actually had somebody on a, on the podcast, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Tony Holler. And he's a, he's a, like, he's a very polarized, uh, coach, like as far as training goes, like, okay. like he does, he does like super, super high intensity, super, super low volume, you know, like, so he's just yeah. focused on just speed. Like if you're okay. not doing something, if you're not moving fast, you don't do anything. Like, so that's like a super, you know, kind of polarized view. And that, that yeah. sort of training, you know, is coming, is, is making a resurgence. And, and, you know, it's been, they've been doing yeah. that training for since the eighties in the, in the Soviet union. But yeah. the, um, but the thing is, is I think there is something to be said for pushing your body and and conditioning your body to where mentally you can go to that place and you can be like hey remember whenever you know i was i was really down in that workout and i couldn't yes. breathe and my heart was just clicking you know like yeah. crazy <laughs> and then i was still able to perform at a high level so like there is something to be said about your confidence you know with with you know, doing some sort of conditioning work in the preseason, I think. Absolutely. Opinion. And I do think it gives you a good foundation to build upon. I, you know, knock on wood, I haven't really, I've been lucky and not really dealing with injuries. And I do think a part of that is the training that I've had. We'll, we'll have a hard day and then we'll have an easy day or like a rest day or, you know, and we'll, we'll alternate um, pretty much every day of the week. Um, and so just the combination of that and getting that base where you're not a hundred percent max effort in a speed sense or in a weightlifting sense, but you're, you're just kind of building that base. Like we're doing a lot of like four by eights in the weight room as we start incorporating weights where it's a little bit lower weight, but just, just kind of getting the muscles into it. And I found that I, I am, a lot less sore. I'm still sore, but like, it's, it, you know, the, the first day in college, like pole vaulting where they put you in the weight room and throw everything at you and cannot even sit down without like whining. Like I haven't had that in a very long time. (laughs) And I think it's just a good gradual build into we we're big in the weight room. So it definitely, we get to the high intensity stuff, but I was going to say bodies build up to that. Brad was a, a, he was throwing around weight. Yeah. He was throwing it around. Well, he was somebody that once he could feel something once technically, he could always do it. He just, his mind body connection was like, unlike anything else. And I think he's he, in coaching me and coaching college kids, he's starting to realize, Oh, like people don't, that doesn't, not everybody works like that. Like he just thinks everybody thinks like him. Yeah. Like you, you are an outlier. Like you are incredible, but you are an outlier. And that's why you were one of the best ever. And I think I kind of bridged that gap to then the college kids. And it, it like, it's obviously that is the difference between the elites and just the good athletes is that being able to tell your body exactly what you want it to do and it doing that. Um, right. And so, but so because of that, he then spent most of his time in the weight room so that he could become the best athlete. He could be how, how fast, how strong, how powerful could he get so that when he was coming down that runway, the more force he had, the bigger the pole he was going to get on. And he always came down trying to blow through the pole. That was right. every, every pole that was in his hand, he was trying to blow through. 
Right. And so the more speed you have, the more mass you have, muscle, strength, whatever, you're going to start blowing through stronger, stiffer poles and get tossed really high. And that's the goal is, you know, to, you know, get as, on as big as pole as possible. And I right? mean, it's just common <laughs> physics. I mean, if you weigh this much right? and the pole is going to toss this much, you know, yep. you, that's just how it works. But um, people like to live in their comfort zones. They're like, Oh, I love this pole. This is my money pole. It's like, no, your money pole is the next pole. Like <laughs> right? that's what the, yeah. good things happen when you get on a pole you've never touched before. Like right. that, like that's just how it works. If you talk to, I think a lot of the guys, even like Renault, when he cleared his world record, it was a pole he had never touched before. Like, Tim Mack, I like he, I was just eating after a meet with, with Brad and him. And he was like, good things happen when you get on your biggest pole. Like you just, that, cause that's what your body is needing that day. That's um, yeah, so. no, that's, I mean, that's how it goes. That's, that's pole vaulting in a nutshell right there. Get on the biggest pole possible, but <laughs> boys and girls, do not try to get on the biggest pole possible unless, unless it's the right time. Do it safely. Like we, <laughs> we have lots of sessions where we're on really small poles blowing through to feel positions. Yeah. And then obviously they're like, if you're blowing through so much, you, you can't actually accomplish anything when you go up, but we always keep the standards buried. And mm-hmm. then it's like in a competition, you know, if the standards are buried or like you're up at a PR and you sneak them in a little bit, like I've, I've never had my standards closer than 70 in a competition ever. Wow. That's um, actually interesting. Well, since working with Brad, um, I will okay. say, uh, since working with Brad. Um, but yeah, I, when I done 92, they were at 80. Um, they were at 80? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're buried. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. And same with 91, actually. Um, and so, like, I'm not saying you shouldn't bring them in. Obviously, there's a time and a place. But I, for me, it's like, okay, we get to all we can out of every pole. Like Brad wants me to make it a pure blow through where I'm completing the whole jump. I'm not flagging off. I'm not falling off the pole. And so then if that, if it's a, if the pole is past vertical and I am blowing into the bar, because there are a lot of jumps that can be saved that are blow throughs by just lining it up and committing Mm -hmm. to it. And then it's a blow through make, and then you go up and you keep the the blow through make is the greatest jump, especially as a coach too. Like yes. as a coach, it's like, oh, they snuck over it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. And now we cool. know exactly what to do yes. for the next. Now we're going to move <laughs> you up and you are going to bomb this next bar, you know? Yes. And that's the, the blow through make, man. That is that is the greatest uh, for, for a coach for sure. Um, yeah, yeah that, that is interesting though. But I think if you... It, if you've never seen uh, Katie's 92 jump or her 501 uh, attempt, you got to watch that because I think, you know, like when you're clicking and whenever you're having those days where it's like, man, I'm just, you know, doing, you know, I'm, I'm crushing it today. You know, I feel like those days your standards could be at 60 or they could be at 80. You're, yeah. you're arcing the bar. You're not yeah. up and down height, you know, like yeah. you're, you're flowing and you're really just, catching every single little piece of that pole. And, and that is like always my goal, uh, is to get our kids to be like, Hey man, I could have your standards at 60, 70, 80. Um, but if you're clicking, you're, you're, it doesn't really matter. Like you're really, really arcing over that bar. And that's what it looked like you were doing that day. It just looked like one of those days where it was just like, that was awesome. And thank you. We had, 
planned for a very fast progression. It was like, okay, come in at 60, jump a 75, go to 92. And that was like, boom, boom, boom. And so it was like, it was that day. It was just like, I don't want to mess around. I'm like, I know I'm ready to jump a personal Mm -hmm. best. And like, I just don't want to waste my time on these lower bars right now. Like I, like there's a time and a place and it's, you know, like I jumped 80 in the eighties a couple of times that season. So it was like, let's just go. Let's, let's go. And, um, and I think they, I forget the number, but there have been studies where like your best jumps are like around number six. And so I would say that's pretty, pretty accurate. Yeah. And so then if it's like, okay, if we clear 92 in, you know, three, four, five, then we can have some of the best attempts at the next bar. And you're um, talking about six jumps as in six competitive jumps, not warm ups. Yes, yes okay. correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, well, and with the standards that we, so every meet, um, the warm ups, my goal is to get on the biggest possible pole I can in warm ups. Like it's not just, oh, feel it out, just make sure things are good. It's get to the biggest pole you can. And for me, I gauge that, you know, with the standards at 80 up around a personal best. I'm maybe just skimming it on the backside. That's the pole that I start on. And then when the, you know, when the bar is several centimeters lower, um, you're, you can be on that pole for quite a while with the standards safe, like buried safely. And then as, as you get to some of those higher heights, like when I jumped, um, 91, I was on two poles the entire competition. Um, and it was because I had got to the biggest pole I ever had in warmups and we just kept the standards at 80 the whole time. And just once it got, once I cleared 75, it was a blow through make and Brad's like, okay, well, let's go up to the 18 three. And, and so that's, you know, with this, when I say like blow through me, like you want to get to the biggest pool you can, like it's safely and with the standards. Yeah, right, and, right. But let's that's kind just... of our game plan to eliminate variables. Yeah. And, and that way you can develop a rhythm because your best days that you have are the days where, you know, like, cause if you, if you were moving up poles every single jump, you know, like it's hard to create a rhythm like that. Yes. You know, but if it's like, okay, I'm, I'm on this pole in warmups and then I'm going to use this for my first three jumps. And then, you know, hopefully I blow through and I can go up for a new PR then, then you're, you're in the catbird seat. You're like in a good space where you're going to create a good rhythm throughout the competition. And Mm -hmm. then you're going to be able to, you know, set yourself up for success a lot easier. And what I found is like the only things that can happen, and this is obviously dependent on your consistency, like you're coming down and hitting it the same way every time. Um, the only two things that can happen is it's either a blow through miss with the standards buried, you know, you have to go up a bowl. Like that's your only option or it's a make and you're on that for a while. And so normally it's a make and I'm on that for a while, but it's, it just, again, eliminates a variable of, okay, well, the standards were at 70. So do I just, do I push them back? Do I, you know, like, do I just jump a little bit more efficiently? Like, so with the standards at 80, it does kind of take away some of the like anxiety of. Yeah. And it sounds, it it sounds like you are kind of like, um, like taking all of the variables and kind of like 
like narrowing, like taking away as many variables as you can. Like if you, if you have, yeah. if you have the standards at 80 and it's like, Hey, we're going to really, we're going to try to take that variable out. So then all you got to really worry about is your pull and your grip. And yes. then let's say that you're like, okay, you know what? We're going to keep our grip, you know, relatively the same. Then you kind of yeah. take that variable away. And then you only have really one variable yeah. that you have to worry about, which, or well, I should say there are a million variables, but there uh, are, there are. And you have to look at how you're jumping and like, you know, that there are, but it does help take away some. Right. Right. Uh, for, yeah. sure, for sure. <laughs> so what, um, where, where did you like, so you, you started in Ohio and you went to high school in Ohio and then how, what, what was your level of success in high school? High school was good for me. Um, I, by my senior year, I jumped 13 feet, which at that time was, I think, the fifth highest height of a graduating senior that year in the nation. Um, and like back then, that was good. Now yeah, it's like for nothing. Sure. But like, <laughs> um, and so I, and I uh, broke the D1 state record and won, um, won the state meet. So that was a really good year for me, but then I struggled in college quite a bit. So <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, was Mary the national record holder at that time? She was the first girl to ever jump 14 feet. I don't know if someone had done that since because she was four years older than me. Like she was, okay. she graduated out of college when I came in as a freshman. Um, right. So right. She was, I never saw her through college, but I, she was the first person to jump 14 feet. Yeah, girl yeah. About fourteen feet in high school, and I, I don't know if she kept that through my entire year. I'm not sure, but right, right. So then you went to college, and you said you struggled a little bit in college. What's yeah. going on with that? Where'd you go? What happened? I went to the University of Dayton first, um, which is a small D1 school in Ohio, and I just, like I said before, I was I've always been afraid to pole vault. I never really like knew what I was doing. I was just, I was good at it, but I just told myself like run faster and everything will happen. (laughs) And and so then I went to college and my coach started making a bunch of changes and I just wasn't ready for it. I was the type of alter that even my coach right there. And like I music and like, I was just very temperamental and I was very emotional and anxious and and so So did that did what did that sorry to interrupt did that like manifest itself in like inconsistency or like were you pretty consistent just irrational thoughts I like I was just like irrational pessimistic thoughts like it just with all this change and then we had months of training without competing I just I had always needed adrenaline to Mm kind of like get myself going and I competed myself into shape. Um, and you compete a lot in high school because we had, you know, indoor meets and, and then you're competing what twice a week in, in high school. So I never really, I would practice at my clubs and that was really fun. I was around friends and, and so that was easy to kind of like jump there, but you know, then I'd go somewhere new, no one from my high school had gone there. So it was a totally new atmosphere and you know I wasn't the best by any means anymore um but, you know you go into college and 13 feet isn't even isn't going to get you to nationals it's that even at that time um and so it it was 
I, it was just a lot of change all at once and I wasn't ready for it. And I, I just, yeah, I really struggled. I think I was somebody that needed all kinds of like positive reinforcement to do well. And it was a lot of training without any feedback with competitions. And so I just started to just get bad run through problems and I ran through all the time. It was okay. frustrating for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard one. When that yeah. bites you, man, that's, that's hard. And I just, I wish I had known then just, I wish I had figured out how to think on the runway and execute things every time. Um, just with cues, um, that's the biggest thing Brad's taught me is cueing and just it's those one or two like actions that you're actually trying to do. And, and I just didn't have that. And so I was just lost in the abyss of doubt. (laughs) You were just, you were just like like running down and hoping that it worked. Yeah. Knowing when I started, I wasn't taking it up (laughs) because it was just like, you just like, you can't hope that you're going to take it up. And and so it it just it got progressively worse and worse, and then uh, that coach ended up leaving uh, after my sophomore year, and so I transferred to Ashland University. And that coach was when I when I went to D one, I just put all this pressure on myself. Like the coach, the coach was was nice and knowledgeable. Like I, it wasn't really anything on the coach. It was just I just wasn't ready for any of it. Um, and I liked my comfort zone and that really took me straight out of it. Um, and so then when I went to Ashland, it's division two, it's, it just taught me that internal motivation because the coach was a volunteer coach and he was this old, he was a Vietnam fighter pilot. And (laughs) he just, it just this awesome guy that just didn't like, he was like a grandpa, like he just loved everyone, but he, he always joked, like, you know, if you do well, they'll double my salary. Like he's a volunteer. <laughs> like he just, so he was just there cause he wanted to be there. And it just made me realize like, Oh, like I, how bad do I want to do this? And so we just started from short approach, really small poles. Like it was a, probably a painful process to watch because like my coach at Dayton, we do a couple jumps from short approach be like, okay, that's great. Let's go back. Let's go up and grip. Let's do the, and any, what any coach would say, but I just, the moment you change anything, I would just turn off. And so he was super patient. My coach at Ashland was very patient and I had just started to figure it out again and just get off the ground consistently from short approach when I got mono and it took me out. And I think that kind of just that it created that motivation again because it was like, Oh, I got a taste of it again. What it was getting off the ground and it was fun again. And so at the end of that year, I ended up qualifying for D2 nationals from short approach. And I think at that point I had just, I had gotten a confidence in myself of like, okay, I want to jump higher more than I'm afraid of it now. And so then that next year we went back to full approach and it was still there. Like the, that like anxiousness and my coach had to give me a tap every jump, but, um, I ended up my senior year, um, winning indoor and outdoor nationals and jumping, um, 14, six. It was the D2 national record at that time. 
Dar- which Kristen Hickson, now Leland, beat the next year. But <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's, uh, that's wild. So you went to a Division II school, and, you know, most of these athletes, you know, are like, well, you know, I'm going D1, coach, going D1, scholarship. I get and it. All. And it's like. I get yeah. it. I, I, I had that mentality. I, that's, I really never considered a D2 school. And I actually got a bit of slack for like, not the flack for not um, choosing like a big 10 school or an SEC school or because I could have. Um, mm-hmm. And I chose a small D1 school, but that was where I felt like I needed to be. And so like going D2 was just not even, it's like, there's no yeah. way. And you just have to realize it doesn't matter because it's all the same everywhere you go. And if you jump, you know, 15 feet in D1, D2, D3, like it's the same everywhere. And so you just have to go where your gut is like, this is where I need to be. Yeah. And, and you need to take into account, you know, all di- types of different things, you know, like family, if, if, if you are close with your family, you, you need to, you know, take that into account. Like for, for right. me, I didn't realize, you know, how much I loved where I grew up until I left. I went uh, to University of Alabama my freshman year on scholarship and was yeah, D1, D1, you know, on a scholarship. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, walking around in the hallways your senior year in high school, it's like, man, this is the greatest, you know. But then all of a sudden you get down there and it's like, all right, nobody really understands me. You're like a I'm small I'm, fish in a big yeah. pond. Yep. And then and then I was like, you know what? It's not so bad in Plainfield, Illinois. I actually kind of like it there. And then, yeah. uh, you know, I moved back and and uh, ended up doing well at a Division three school, you know, yeah. so no athletic scholarship. And guess what? The cool part about our sport is, you know, actually, I don't know if it's the same uh, anymore, but, you know, I used to compete in Division one meets, you know, whenever I was at at division three school, you know, like I would go and and do those things. And so, Mm -hmm. like you said, it's an objective sport. You know, if you, if you jump those heights, you jump those heights, you know, I qualified for us nationals indoors and outdoors my senior year because I jumped 550. So if you jump 550, you know, at a division three school, you can still go to the best competition in the United States if you want, you know, so and that yeah, that year that I won, um, I I had jumped at our national meet. Uh, I won with four forty, and the D one meet they won with four forty. Now they went to four forty five, and we went to four fifty. Why they went ten centimeters when it was that high is beyond right. me. But like that's that's absurd to me. But it always makes me wonder, like, oh, if we'd only gone five centimeters, could I? But like. It's the same height. Like we tied the best of the best in college. So it just, for sure, you know, it, it doesn't matter because it's just about the height or the times or the, the distance you throw or jump it. it like it, it's you the can same. Do it all. And it's, it's not like we're playing basketball where like, you know, the, the level of competition is completely different, you know, like, right. It's, it's, you know, we're, we're at the end of the day, we're part of a individual team sport, you yes. know, and, and, uh, that's, you know, you, you are, you know, competing against yourself and, you know, that height mm-hmm. that, that you want. Um, but yeah. anyway, um, so then after you, after you 
you know, got through that, you graduated, and then you started on this kind of, uh, this professional conquest, um, yeah. you know, so how did that look like at the beginning? Because that, I, I went through that. I, I jumped 550 yeah. in, in college. And then, so that was like just high enough to where it's like, Hey, I could get invited to Drake or, right. or like these, these elite uh-huh. meets. And I was like, man, this is, this is really awesome, but like super nerve wracking. And I, and I dug myself a huge hole because I really got into comparing myself to other people. And, yeah. and I 100%. constantly was looking at leaderboards. Luckily there wasn't very much social media back then. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I constantly was like, Oh, he jumped that. Oh, Oh my gosh. Oh, you know, and I would like be like, okay, well now, now I got to jump this. And, and I yeah. really dug myself a hole. Did you go through anything like that or a learning curve for this whole thing? Yeah, I Definitely struggled. Mine was a little different. I so my first year out, I did well. I did set a new personal best. I think I ended up jumping 450 by the end of that year. I moved down to Knoxville, Tennessee, and started working with uh, Roman Vitarnikov, and it was it was a good setup. Um, I was the only one training with him though, and I think that first year it was it was good, um, but I just I just wasn't quite ready to be like all in. Like I, I was always kind of like one footed and I would like, he was a great coach, but I would just push back a little bit. And I, like, I wanted to kind of be in control. That's how I'd always trained was like, I was the one in control. And, um, and so that's the second year I, I ended up getting mono in the fall uh in like right before i would say november second uh, round of maybe mono? even december that was my first that was the first time oh oh, oh wait, okay. no, no i'm sorry i didn't get mono i got the flu you're right the flu. Okay. you're right I was like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you're right i got mono in college i got it was a flu that was like killing people back in like 2000 oh the swine flu it wasn't swine flu it was because swine flu was back like more when i was in college school, I want to say or college but it was just it was this flu that was just it, it was terrible and I got so sick and it takes a lot for me I don't I don't get like sick sick very often and I lost a ton of weight um Jeez. and and so then I I got back in it okay um and but like I was struggling at that point I was not super happy in Knoxville um didn't have like a great roommate situation. Like it was just all these things and I was homesick and like, it was just a bunch of things kind of adding up. And then I actually, I went to Reno, no heighted. Um, and then after that, I got pictures from the photographer back and it was, I was like mortified with how I looked in them. Like I thought I looked really good cause I was in a sports bra and like whatever. And I just, I just come off of having this horrible flu where I was you know, throwing up and whatever, like, of course I'm not going to be in the best shape of my life. But right. so that actually kind of like spiraled me into like, just like this body image issue and like not eating properly. And, and so I really struggled with that for the next few months, um, I would say. And then I I've done like a podcast, uh, with Sean Francis on that one, but yeah, I just, I actually, yeah. And I actually kind of wanted, I, that was one of the things that I wanted to yeah. dive into too. If you, if you don't mind, like yeah, I, absolutely. 
I know that's a sensitive subject, but I, no, I I'm have... very like passionate about it because it affected me so much. And so it's something I want to talk about so that other athletes don't kind of get trapped in it the way that I did. For but, sure. So the, what I see like on, you know, ground zero working with, you know, young kids, young pole vaulters all the time, especially, you know, lots of, of young ladies, you know, they, um, uh, they will associate a body weight with success. Yeah. Like, so, so that, that's one thing that I see a lot where it's just like, mm-hmm. and I did that myself too. Like I was like, well, I jumped 550 the first time at 175. Yeah. So, and I'm 6'4". 6'4", 175? That's lean. That is, that's, <laughs> that's like freaky, insane. man. And, and, and I was like the rest of my career, not the rest of my career, but like probably the next three or four years, I was like, well, if I want to jump 550 again, I got to be 175. And, yeah. you know, as you get older, it's yeah. like, hey, man, you know, so that that's one thing that I see. And then I also just, you know, see kind of just the classic um, comparing you know, yourself to other people. Well, yep. she's, she jumps this high and she looks like this yeah. and things like that. So that those was, are the two things I see. Yeah. That was where I was at was I was seeing, you know, all these beautiful, phenomenal in shape athletes, um, pole vaulters that I looked up to saying, Oh my gosh, she's jumping so high. And she has like a perfect six pack. And I, I, I was always lean, but I, I would say I, like, it takes a lot for me to be defined. And so I like, didn't really have that definition, especially at that age, like in my stomach, like if they say it takes until probably your mid twenties for women to really like lose like their quote unquote baby fat or whatever. Um, and so I just, I didn't feel super confident being in a sports bra in shorts, like next to these other women. But I was like, oh man, if I just looked like that, then I would jump really Instead of maybe if I eat the right way and work really hard, my body will do that as a result or look that way as a result. And so I, yeah, when I saw those, those pictures, it just, I mean, it crushed me because I was like, I'm that year I was like, I'm going to compete in a sports bra to fit in like everyone else. And it's going to be, that's, what's going to motivate me to eat really well so that like, I, I look good. And then that I'll jump high as a result because, you know, all these girls that look good, they're jumping high. Um, so I had a very backwards logic with that. And, and so when I saw that picture, it was like, I have to just cut calories left, right, center. Um, I just, I had this idea in my head the year before that like I needed to eat 1200 calories. Like that was the number. I don't know where that number came wow. from, but it was this, it, like, it just, that's crazy. And then when I met with a nutritionist later that year, he's like, you eat how many calories? Like, he's like, I don't care if you do absolutely nothing that day. Like that's not nearly enough. He wanted me to eat more around 2000. And, but he's like, let's just maybe not double your calories overnight, but we got to bump you up. Like you can't sustain what you're doing. Like you don't want to be at a caloric deficit. Well, so I got a basic kind of meal plan from him. Fast forward few months later, I see these pictures. And so I just take that like meal plan that he gave me and just take it to the extreme where I was basically just eating a protein bar and an apple for like four out of my six meals a day, which is absurd. Mm-hmm. And the other meal breakfast would just be like egg whites with, um, 
like some oatmeal and like, it just, it just wasn't enough. And I was down to probably 120 something pounds at five, eight, which is just way too lean. Like there's just, and I still at that point felt like I could be lean. Like it was just a very, very flawed logic. And, right. and I just thought that would make me jump higher. And I just had no energy. And I was very lucky that I wasn't an injury prone person because I would have gotten hurt in a second if I was. I was just, we were very much under training. Um, Roman was a big advocate for, you know, under training, you want to feel fresh, you don't want to injure yourself. Like, and so I was, I was lucky if I was doing what I'm doing now, there's no way. Um, But I just, I just took it upon myself to, I said, if I, I never want my diet to be the reason I didn't succeed in this sport. And so I just went crazy and I was obsessed with it. I was constantly thinking about how I was going to cut out calories, what I was going to eat at the next meal, how I was going to like manage it. If we were going out to dinner, I would just look at the menu beforehand and like have my plan. Okay, (laughs) you're only going to get this. And if I, and if I felt like I ate too much, I would like try that. Like I would do burpees. I would do jumping jacks like later at night to like burn it off. And it just, it was just, it was awful. And I did that by myself. Like I didn't have anyone telling me you have to be this weight or this body fat percentage or anything. I just took that on myself. And so now when I hear there are coaches that are telling their athletes, you have to be this body fat percentage or this weight, like in the pole vault, especially, because I mean, I, I don't think it should happen in any sport, but in the pole vault, it's just, it drives me crazy because women, girls, if you give them a number, they will go to any, any sort of length to make that number happen. And oftentimes it's not healthy. And, and why? Like, it doesn't make sense to me because I, I'll tell you, I have not gotten body comp done in years. The only numbers that I measure are the weights that I lift, how fast I am. I mean, Brad can gauge that better than I can, but he sees how well I'm moving and how high I'm jumping or the poles that I'm getting on, like the poles right. that I'm moving. And those are the only numbers that really matter. I think it's important to have an idea of what you weigh. Like I, I do weigh myself every so often just to get an idea, but like right now, Brad's trying to get me to gain weight. Like he he wants me to gain weight so that I have some fat reserve to like tap into when we're doing these crazy hard, you know, preseason workouts. Right. And because if you don't, it'll go into your muscle and that's where fatigue, injury, all that happens. And so luckily I I never got so far gone in it that I couldn't get out of it and save myself. I just I think slowly but surely started to put my worth into jumping high and not caring as much about like if I was in a sports bar or a tank top or whatever. And, and that slowly helped me get out of it. But then working with Brad where he's like, who cares what you like? All the only thing that matters is how you're jumping. Like it's so refreshing being with a coach that like, doesn't, doesn't care. He, he's always talking about like, gaining weight rather than like, he never is like, I think we should lean you out a little bit. Like he's, he doesn't, he wants more mass to his athletes to be really powerful. I mean, the more mass you have and obviously he wants it to be healthy. 
But, yeah, right. I know exactly like, what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is like you, something doesn't come from nothing. Like, yes. like, so, so people think like, okay, I want to get better. Like I want to jump higher and I want to run faster. What's like the number one thing that is associated with jumping higher? being faster and, you know, like speed. Okay. So it's like, well, I want to get faster and it's like, well, you're going to have to develop some sort of, of, you know, muscle fibers that are, that are going to be new that are going to help you to get faster. And those muscle fibers are not just going to like come from nothing. Like you have to like have building blocks to Mm -hmm. build those muscle fibers and the building blocks are food. And and the reality is, is if you're always in a caloric deficit, like Mm -hmm. every single time that you're training, uh, guess what? You're probably going to get slower. You know, like you're You're probably going to get slower and then you're going to weigh less. So Mm -hmm. now you're going to have less mass and you're going to have less speed. And guess what's going to happen to your pole? You're going to drop down like three or four poles because you're going to be skinny. Mm -hmm. You're going to be light. You're not going to have any power and you're going to be brittle too. Like that's the other thing too, because you had mentioned injury is like, okay, if you are really like, if you are like Skeletor running down the runway, like you're going to be so brittle and you're probably yep. going to get injured too. hundred mm-hmm. percent. You know? And, and I get it because like I, it, we live in a society that is like all girls in bathing suits and crop tops. And I, I get it. I mean, and I probably to some people sound like a hypocrite because I'm competing in a sports bra and, and shorty shorts. And like, I get that. But my point is I, 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 feel and look the best that I ever have by eating and by fueling myself. And my body is, is just a side product of like how I look aesthetically is just, is, is just a, it's, it's yeah, a byproduct of the work that I'm putting in. And my, my focus is I want to jump as high as I possibly can. And how, how do I do that? So by working hard, eating the right way, I'm going to jump high, but then my body is leaning out appropriately. And the thing is your body will lean out as it's supposed to. Like I don't change my eating really throughout the year. Um, and it just, it just, as we go, it just, it, it's leaned out as it's supposed to, I guess. If right. you call it that. So I just, I just had a very backwards logic. And as long as your, I guess, motivation isn't how you look, it's your results that's, that's all I want is like, that's what I want fueling and motivating people. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is, that is probably the easiest way to get out of that, um, hole is just to just be performance-based. Like if, if you're 100% performance-based, it's like, like for me, it's this very similar thing to you. Like I, I was like a skeleton and you know, these things do like, like I, I, I was chuckling back, you know, whenever you were talking about the going out to dinner and yeah. I wasn't being insensitive. Okay. I was, no, chuck- I, yeah. I was chuckling because I was the same exact way. My wife yeah. and I would go out to eat and I would be on my fitness pal, just like, hold on, hold on. Nope. Nope. Uh, let's take one of those chicken wings away and, you know, like entering <laughs> them all into my fitness pal and just be like, doggone it. I got, you know, yeah, only three carbs left. And well, and then I'd be so that. upset with myself if I like ate too much and like, it just, right. you know, I, it, 
And here's, here's the thing. It, there's a reason that poles have different flexes and weights and like, it doesn't matter what you weigh. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It like what matters is the poles that you get on and what you're able to do with it. And so if you weigh 140, 150, 160, it doesn't like they create poles for that. And so yeah. it's just, it, I, I try not to really talk too much about what I weigh because it doesn't matter. But I did make a post recently about like eating more and like, I probably eat anywhere from 2000 to 2,500 calories every day, maybe a little less if I'm on a rest day, but not because, oh, I'm not working out today. So I want to eat less. It's just, maybe I'm just not as hungry, right. but it's, I, I don't really know for sure how many I eat because I don't count calories anymore, but I do have a general idea, but the thought of sticking to 1200 calories when like there are meals where I eat 1200 calories in that, like it's, it's crazy. Like it, that is all that's next level. And I, I get it. I've been there, but I just want people to, at least if, if it can inspire someone to meet with a dietitian and figure out what the right, like, you know, meal plan is for them, then that's all I want is like, I don't want people just having these like numbers in their head that don't mean anything or don't come from a good source. And Mm -hmm if your coach isn't a dietitian, they shouldn't be giving you specific numbers to hit. Like Brad will be like, Oh, I think you should be around this, but he doesn't hound me on it. He never weighs me in. He's like, what are, what are your weights at in the weight room? Like that's. And so I, yeah, I just, if your coach isn't a, isn't a dietitian, I, and they're giving you specific numbers to be at and weighing you in makes me a little concerned. I stay away from that. Um, yeah, especially in high school, like, because that's where it's, I, it can start so easily with a lot of girls in high school. Yeah. So, and I, I think, think I can, I can relate. I'm actually thinking of somebody in, in particular right now. That's like, they, uh, it's that fixation on that number of calories and, and, yeah. you know, this person, you know, it's just like, I have to eat this many calories. And, and I think the responsible thing to do is if you are, if you, if you've, you know, lost a significant amount of weight, what would you consider like a significant amount of weight? I'm just curious. Lost a significant amount of weight. I would say anywhere from 20 pounds up. It just depends yeah. like, you know, on the person and their if you're, if you're brain. vaulting and like you, you, you are like, wow, I, I've lost uh, a significant amount, you know, I would say even like 10 pounds. Would I would say 10. That's exactly what I was going to say. If you're, it's if like, you're doing that, you may want to talk to a dietitian or something like that. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I don't want to like criticize anyone because I've, I've been there. Like I just want this information out there because no one talked about it when I was, when, when I was coming onto the scene and I just felt very alone and I'm like, Oh, this is what they all do. Like mm-hmm. this has to be what they all do. But like, it, it just isn't. So I just, I want to show people that you can be successful and not obsess over how you're eating. And I could probably be a bit healthier with how I eat. I'm sure I could, if I was meal planning and like, I like to eat out a lot. I always, I'm conscious of what I'm I, I, people need to be conscious of what they're putting in their body. Like we need to have good fuel, but as long as you're eating good food, good protein, good carbs, throwing in healthy fats, fruits, and vegetables, like at every meal, then you're doing okay. 
Like that's, yeah. you, you don't need a whole lot. And as you get older too, you, you start to learn more about your body and, and be like, whoa, like I, I completely, you know, I, I am a lot better when I'm eating maybe more carbs or, or less carbs or whatever you yeah. get, you get better at knowing your body yeah. and things like that. Like I perform the best, I think the night before a competition on chicken and pasta of some sort. And like, but it took me years to kind of figure that out. So yeah, I just, yeah, like I said, I just want to at least have the conversation out there. So, so girls can see like, oh, you don't have to be crazy strict to be successful. Yeah. And, and there also is, well, and, and I just wanted to mention this, that in my personal case, so I mentioned that I uh, jumped 550 at 175 Mm -hmm. and then, you know, like after going through like being, I, I would probably say borderline like eating issues you know where where i was i was addicted like kind of to the my fitness pal and you know the certain number of calories and things like that um after i got through that and i was like you know what you know what jake winder is going to look like jake winder you know, like, like yeah. I'm never going to look like this person or this person or this person. Like, and it goes deeper than me. You know, it, it, it's a, just a self-confidence thing. It's like, listen, man, like you can try all you want to look like this person and you will never look like them. You're always going to look like you and you got to be okay with what you look like. And as soon as I made that turn and I rounded that curve, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm happy with where I am, you know, Absolutely. And maybe I won't ever have that. I, you know, like that super cut up and six pack abs or big mm-hmm. biceps and this, that, and the other may not yeah. be able to lift as much as this person, you know, as soon as I was like, you know what, I'm cool with that, man. It's whatever. All That's of a tough. sudden I put on, I put on 10 pounds and then yeah. I PR'd by yeah. five centimeters. <laughs> and I was you like, know. You know, so it, it really does. It really helps if you are just on your path and you stay mm-hmm. on your path and yeah. you don't, don't, you know, veer off, man. Don't look at these other things. Just stay on your path and do you. It's so true. Cause yeah, I was, I have a very different build than Mary, Sandy, Jen. Like we all have different builds, but I was looking at them as like, I need to look like them. Well, I'm never going to look like them because my torso is like three inches long. Like I, like they have these long lean torsos and I was always like, Oh, I just want to look like that. It's like, I hate to break it to you, Katie, but your bones, like the way your body's <laughs> set up, you're not going to look like that. But that doesn't mean you can't like, like I just thought that meant like I just wasn't going to look Yeah. And the other thing too, is whenever somebody sees somebody who is confident in their body, that looks good to other people. Like people will be like, wow, that person, like, they are confident in the skin that they're in and that is attractive. Like, and that, and that is like, that is really a good thing, you know, and people can totally see that in somebody, you know, and every single person, including the ones I looked up to had something about themselves. They were self-conscious about, and that helped me to kind of realize, Oh, like I see them as perfect, but they're, you know, self-conscious about something on their body. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe in my maybe I'm flawed here. (laughs) Like maybe maybe my logic is flawed here. So yeah, I just like, I definitely have my days where I'm like, like, but it's my body allows me to do what I love and it allows me to jump high. And so I just, I want to make sure I'm constantly doing everything I can 
to keep jumping high and that requires eating a certain way. <laughs> it allowed you to smoke over 492. So that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> Listen, Barlow. <laughs> yeah, right. Nah, not that much. It was a good <laughs> Um, All right. So we're, you know, we want to, you know, respect your time and everything, but um <laughs> can talk forever. There, <laughs> there was, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about, about the body image thing. And then I yeah. wanted to just ask you a couple maybe rapid fire questions. Um, yeah. so another thing is, um, in young women that, that I see sometimes, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, like we're really trying to, you know, work on, on getting your hips over your shoulders and your rock back. Like, have you been, have you been doing like the swing, the swinging boobkas and the boobkas and stuff? And they're like, no, it's like, well, oh. why not? It's like, well, I don't want to get big, you know, like, oh, you, know no. <laughs> you know, or like, I'm, I'm oh, not going to no. lift legs. I'm not going to lift legs because then I'm going to get big. No, lift what legs because it gives you a butt. <laughs> 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 no, I, it, here's the thing. Like you, I feel like to be a good pole vaulter, you have to lift. Like you just, because it will make you stronger. It will make you faster. It will get you on bigger poles that will toss you higher. And so I, I get that, but you just have to figure out what your motivation is. And if your motivation is to jump as high as you can, it don't worry about how you look. Cause actually, I mean, you're going to look good. Even like quote unquote big, you're going to be fit. Like you're, you're like, right. You're still going to look good and healthy. That's the bit like, and healthy looks different on everybody. So like, when, when I lift, I'm going to look very different than, you know, my training partner, Robin, who's doing the same lifting or KB that's doing the same lifting. We just have different body types, but we all look good, like in our own way. And so I, it's just finding that motivation of like, what, what's your purpose here? Are you here to jump as high as you can, or is your purpose here to just stay in shape or looking a certain way? Like, and if that's the case, like then... <laughs> If that's your goal, power to you. I would hope that it's not, but I can't, I can't fault anyone for that. Um, but yeah, I think lifting is crucial. That's, that's something that I added with Brad, just much heavier lifting, Olympic lifting, explosive lifting that really did change things for me. Um, and you know, it, it changed my body in a way that aesthetically I'm like cool I feel like I look better than I ever have and that's from lifting that it burns so many calories and like it, it jump like when you're doing cleans when you're doing Olympic lifting like your metabolism like kind of jump starts and so I think if your purpose is to look good like lifting is actually gonna help t- to do that <laughs> um, so sure. yeah I mean it's it's a tough conversation to have and I, I think it's, it's tricky um and I just, I encourage coaches really to not focus on, on weight on young athletes, especially. Um, but I, I mean, with what we do with, there's weight labels on the poles, so I get it, but I think. Yeah, it's a hard one. And but. I think with girls, especially they're like, well, if I'm on a bigger pole, then I'm fatter or whatever. It's like, no, no, that's not what that means because you still have to put enough force into the, you have to be fast enough to move that pole. So actually there's a good chance you're, you're leaner and more powerful. Like it's so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough conversation, but it's ultimately it's 
you know, what do you want out of the sport? And if you want to be the best you can be, lifting is lifting is, is, is yeah, pretty important. It, it is. And, and you know, to, if you don't know how human physiology works, I mean, if you do a few sets of bootkas once or twice a week and a few power cleans once or twice a week, you're not going to look like a female bodybuilder. Like, uh-uh. <laughs> Look not- at Sandy. She does bootkas all the time and she is as lean as you can get. Like, I mean, it, like she looks amazing. Um, but like, it's, if you look at any of the elite female pole vaulters, we're all doing bootkas. We're all doing like bar work. We're all lifting. We're all. And so it's like, are right. you saying we look big? Like, what are you saying? Uh, <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing is, it's like, it's like, you know, you, I think it all boils down to both of those things that you had mentioned or that we had talked about, you know, the being too thin and then the, the getting too muscular or too big, quote unquote, yeah. um, both, yeah. both of those things are solved with being performance based. Like yes. just if your goal is to pull vault higher, you know, that, that needs to be your goal and that needs to be the metric that you're going by. And if, and if you're going by that metric, it's probably going to lead you in the right direction. So in my opinion, in my opinion. No, absolutely. I agree. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) Um, If you were to pick one character trait that has gotten you to where you are at today, what would it be? character trait um i hate to lose so i guess just like i like i just i hate to lose so anytime i especially i finish a season like on a low note which has been most of my seasons in the past like that's just yeah so that's that's probably the character i'm i'm stubborn i'm competitive stubborn i'm stubborn okay (laughs) i just want to keep proving that i can like keep being yeah, yeah. No, I get it. All right. What is the strongest part of your vault? My run. Your run. I was going to say the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, for you. Um, I do a yeah. lot of other things wrong, but my run saves me. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, we always, we always tell our athletes, you know, the run and the takeoff is 90% of the vault. Like if you have a good run and a good takeoff, you know, we can clean up the, the top end, but that run and takeoff is mm-hmm. so important. Everything so. on top happens as a result of like, you know, the arms and like, yeah, that speed it's the pole vault is a transfer of energy. So where do you create that energy? It's in the run. Right. For sure. For sure. All right. This one's going to be tough. If you could only pick two exercises to do for the rest of your career besides pole vaulting. So you get to still jump, you know, once or twice a week, whatever you do, but you could only do two other things outside of pole vaulting. What would they be? Am I picking this based on what I actually like or what's good for my vaulting? What's good for your vaulting? <laughs> um, can I say lifting as a whole or just like one exercise? Oh, no, 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 no. You cannot oh, okay. say lifting as a whole. It's okay. got to be one exercise. Um, cleans. Okay, that I impulse like that. Uh, is like a very similar, like when it's kind of a heavier weight, you're not sure if you're going to get it. That's the same kind of impulse as like hitting a takeoff. Maybe on a pole, you haven't put that on. So that has created a lot of confidence for me in, in doing Olympic liftings, but I, I really like cleans. Um, and then I'm between like squats and then just like sprint workouts, but I think I'm going to pick sprint workouts so that I have. Cause the cleans you can, you get strong in the legs cause it's a jump. So yeah. um, I would, I would say sprint work. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that that reinforces uh, that uh, the run and takeoff is ninety percent of the vault. If those are the yeah. two that you would pick, you know, that's that's it, man. You got to be fast. <laughs> and, uh, that is. That's really important. And you did mention about like the, the clean. So you, are you talking about clean from the cleaning from the floor? Uh, hang cleans or, or okay. either, either, um, or. either, or I, I've done a lot of hang cleans lately, but like from, from the ground are good too. Like clean poles, especially like, just like, that's a good way to place to start before yeah. getting into like clean cleans. But for sure. um, yeah. but that you talked about like that gearing up and like that that middle phase of whenever you're pulling that weight and you're feeling like wow this is a heavy weight this is a heavy weight and here comes the you know where i throw my hips yep. and it is the same exact feeling of yep. like okay i have to sell out on this and i have to go for it and it is it really is like a mental you know a very good mental comparison to uh you know taking off on a brand new pole and rocking back on it that yeah. is it's a uh, similar impulse that, yeah. that that initial hit at the takeoff and that like when you throw your hips up into it like it they're obviously not the same motion but i feel like i've created obviously it's got me stronger but mentally it, it that's created a lot of strength and commitment commitment. to it because you have to commit to it like at that moment and i i really like that that is really really (laughs) a comparison all right last question who has had the biggest influence on you in your life as a person doesn't have to be pole vaulting or anything it's really hard um Oh. oh wow it can be too (laughs) all right well then I have to pick my parents because my dad my dad passed away when I was 16 but he was my biggest supporter I mean other than my mom who's number two um but uh he just knew how talented I was athletic I was so he was the one that was that put me in golf lessons he was the one that took, took me to every practice. Like he would come to all my basketball practices. He would, he would put me in private lessons for, you know, pitching like fast pitch. Um, and so he was the one that got me into my private lessons in football too. So he just wanted me to succeed in whatever I I did. And, and then like my mom, after he passed away, just my mom is phenomenal and just so supportive. And she never made me she never really was like, okay, when are you going to get a real job? Like she supported me financially and emotionally, like for the five years that I didn't have a contract out of college. And so, and just, I mean, just seeing how strong she is and like, you know, she lost her husband and she just kept going for us, my brother and my sister. And like, that just puts things into perspective, like, of like, you have to be pretty tough to do that, but also like, this is like, you got to keep rolling with the punches. And so, yeah, definitely those two. <laughs> wow. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's uh yeah. wow. That's uh that's wild. Yeah. Well, you have that in you too. That's your mom. <laughs> Thanks. So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. That's uh pretty, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, 
can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, oh, thank at, you. This is at fun. The beginning, when we were kind of off the air there, we were uh, talking and I just thought I would share that story from that girl at my club. Uh, they were like, she's like, I really want to talk. Uh, I want you to have Katie on the show. And it's so cute. And, she <laughs> said, and I said, well, why do you want to have Katie on the show? And, and she said, she just seems like a good person. Aww. And I think that that, that is, makes me uh, so happy. <laughs> it's, that's pretty outstanding. It doesn't get too much better than that. So that just shows yeah. that even without, you know, knowing you, you know, personally, you know, people just, that's, that's the type of person that you're projecting out to the world. So it's pretty cool. Which is, I mean, that's even better than jumping high. So if I can do that <laughs> and jump high, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, really appreciate it. And then actually you want to share uh, some places where people can kind of follow you? Yeah. Um, so Instagram is probably the best. That's where I keep up with the most, I would say. Um, it's just KTNAGO13. Um, and I am on TikTok now. <laughs> just <laughs> I thought that was getting uh, shut down. Uh, actually, no, it sounds like it's saved. So yay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that one's just Katie Najat. But um, Twitter, KTNAGO13. I do have a blog. I haven't been on quite a bit, but it's, um, I think Wix um, is the, I, it's, I think it's up in the link in my bio on my Instagram, but I'll sometimes do some blog posts on there. But yeah. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really thank appreciate you. it. And uh, this is the One More Jump podcast signing off. <laughs>